Looks like it has full battery. There we go. Good morning. We'll be covering the entire book of Job this morning. In Romans 15, verse 4, it tells us, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Two things give us hope. That we, through patience or endurance, and through comfort of the Scriptures, we can have hope. So here, this passage gives us a couple of uh, reasons for hope. You know, our endurance increases as we face the storms of life and as we come through them. You know, I made it through this, and we make it through that, and then we make it through it again, and we build up endurance. That gives us hope. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, describes how that the trying, the testing of our faith works patience or endurance. And the second thing is we gain comfort from the scriptures. We look back at men like Job and we see how that he got through it. And so we, it gives us hope. Romans 15 verse 4. Another passage in James chapter 5 verses 10 and 11. James says, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience or an endurance. See those prophets back in the old days, they're an example of endurance. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job, who we'll be studying about this morning, and have seen the end of the Lord. He is very pitiful and full of tender mercy. So James tells us the example of the prophets, the example of Job, who suffered but endured. And they receive benefit by remaining faithful to God. You know, God, the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath. <laughs> Looks to me like from the inspired commentary of James on Job, he's a God of tender mercy, of pity and tender mercy. So we see passages like this in Romans 15 and James 5 that show us good things about these Old Testament examples of endurance. The book of Job in one lesson, 42 chapters in one lesson. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Andy Griffith's show, but one time there was an episode with Mr. Darling, and uh, they were about to play some music, and Mr. Darling made the comment, you're going to have to just jump in and hang on. <laughs> so as we cover, try to cover 42 chapters in one lesson, you're just going to have to jump in and hang on. And I'm going to, one thing that I'll, I'll be doing as, as we go through the book of Job there may be select passages in the book of Job that we, we read, but I'll just be doing a lot of referencing. And so just have the book of Job open. I might say, you know, in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 or whatever. And so you can glance at it and look at it and see that the point, uh, about the point that I'm making. In the book of Job, Job was a righteous man. I just want to look at several points about Job as we introduce the book. Job was a righteous man. Consider his character according to God, and that's the one that really counts, isn't it? In verse 1, the man was perfect and upright, feared God, and eschewed evil. He turned away from evil. We see that in chapter 1, verse 1, and again in verse 8, again in chapter 2 and verse 3, as, as Job, God is talking to Satan about Job. You know, he's a righteous man. We see that over and over. So God describes Job as righteous. Satan even concurs implicitly with that, I believe, 
in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, in chapter 2, verse 5, as Satan is, is uh, talking to God and saying, well, he, he, he's, he he's got a reason to serve you, uh, God. You know, you made it good on him. Of course he serves you because he's got it good. But take it away. Take it all away and he'll curse you to your face. Later on in Ezekiel 14, verses 14 and verse 20, in that, in that prophet, God later uses Job as one of the examples. You know, if, if Noah or Daniel or Job were here in Israel at this, at this point in time, they could but save themselves, only themselves, by their own righteousness. Job was a righteous man. Later, in, again, as we've seen in James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, we see that he endured, he was steadfast in his faith. You, you notice in the book of Job, you know, if, if there was any, you know, if, if there's anyone that had the right as a skeptic to say, oh, you know, the injustice of God, the suffering, death, you know, that proves that the God of the Bible doesn't exist. If anyone had the right to say that, Job would have, but he didn't. He maintained his faith in God. <clears throat> Job was greatly blessed by God in chapter 1, verse 3. And in the end, God doubled his blessings. In chapter 1, verse 3, he had... Uh, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and so on and so on. Just all of these blessings from God. Satan challenged God that Job only served him because he was blessed. Well, of course he served you. You know, you've, he, he's got it good with you. Take it all the way. He'll curse you. In chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. So God allowed Satan to do that in Job 1, verses 13 to 19. But Job maintained his faith in God. Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. Notice in verse 21. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So we see Job maintained his faith in God, even though Satan afflicted him. And so then Satan challenged God that Job would curse God if his wealth was taken away. In chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. So God allowed Satan to do that. Yet again, Job maintained his faith in God. Look at verse 10. But he said to his wife, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. So up to this point... Job, uh, Job went through all of this affliction, he, all, of the, all that he had, all, his ten children were taken away. His health was taken away. In all of this, Job did not sin. He was righteous. He was a righteous man. He was righteous even at this point. It wasn't until his evil friends, I would say, came and caused him to sin. We've, we've noticed uh, before uh, in our lessons that it can be said that God does things not necessarily directly uh, like, like causing Job to sin or causing Job, doing something directly to Job, but God has, we've seen that God, how that God uses means to accomplish something. Like here, I, I, I take it, you know, God told Satan, you've moved me against Job. Well, Satan moved God, not directly, but he moved, him, moved God by taunting God against Job and God you moved me against Job well God was moved against Job how by means and so he allowed Satan to tempt uh, tempt Job 
And again, we've looked at other examples of this with Pharaoh and with David in 2 Samuel 24 and verse 1, uh, how that God does things by means. He doesn't uh, tempt people to sin directly, but he allows Satan to do so. Job's friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, heard of the evil that had come upon Job. They made an appointment together. These three guys made an appointment together to come and to see Job. We see that in Job 2, verse 11. So they sat silent with Job for seven days, seven days and seven nights, and notice why. It says that because they saw his grief was great, chapter 2, verse 13, so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Just Just a quick application on this. You know, God may allow our grief, God may allow man's grief to be very great. That doesn't mean that he doesn't exist or that he does not care, as we see from this book. Well, Job's friends, and and by the way, I'll I'll be going through an outline of the book of Job as we go. So the first couple of chapters were introduced to Job. In the next about 30 chapters, we see Job's friends. They, They break the silence. After seven days, they break the silence, and they begin accusing Job. We see three cycles of accusations. His three friends accuse him, then Job answers. They accuse him, then Job answers. They accuse him, and then Job answers. Zophar does not accuse him in the last. He had had enough, I guess, already by that time, as we'll see. They all did. Uh, after, after a point in time, Job was righteous, and they couldn't convince him. Well, Job, you've got to ascend. All this evil's happened until you, you, you must ascend. They couldn't convince him that he sinned. But so they, after, after the days of silence, they, Job, uh, they accused him. And Job, uh, well, first of all, he expresses how that he wished he'd never been born. Look at chapter 3 in the first few verses. Let the day perish when it, wherein I was born. And then the night when it was said, there's a man child conceived. I, he just wished that he had never, that had never happened. His birth had never happened. So his friends began three rounds of accusations against him. They accuse him, uh, and he answers. They charge him with wickedness. They say that he's suffering because of his sins. Notice in chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. Chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. We'll we'll look at verse 7. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perish being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I've seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Well, Job, you've, you've got to have sinned. Admit it. You know, only the, only the wicked suffer. Chapter 8, verses 2 through 6. Chapter 8, verses 2 through 6. It looks like in verse 4. It looks to me like they're, they're saying, Your children sinned, and he cast them away because of their transgressions. And then verse 6. If thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. You know, your children, it looks like your children transgressed and they died. You know, if you would just turn around and do what's right, God would, God would make your, your way prosperous. In chapter two, 22, verses 5 through 10. Chapter 22, verses 5 through 10. Uh, and we'll just look, again, we'll just reference and make notice just a few passages, highlights. In verse 5, is not thy wickedness great? And thine iniquities infinite. And then they, it looks like they began to falsely accuse him. You, you've taken a pledge for the, from thy brother. 
for nothing and stripped the naked of their clothing. You've not given wa- water to the weary. As for the mighty man, and, and they go on, and, and you've even, verse 9, uh, uh, sent the widow away empty. <laughs> you know, if, man, if we can't convince Job that he's sinned and get him to admit it, we'll just make up stuff. So they were, they were saying, Job, you've got to have sinned. You know, this, these bad things are happening to you because of your sins. <clears throat> well, of course, we know that good and evil comes upon the good and the bad. Ecclesiastes 9, verses 11 and 12, the race is not to the swift, the battle to the strong. He goes on to say, time and chance overtake them all. So good happens to people, bad happens to people, regardless of what they're doing Time and chance happens to all. And then in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 45, we see how that God sends the rain on whom? The just and the unjust. The wicked man's crops grow just like the righteous man's crops grow. So good happens to uh, the good and the bad from God. But Job didn't understand why these events were happening to him, and he begins arguing his case with God. In Job chapter 10, the first couple of verses... Job 10 and the first couple of verses. My soul is weary of my life. I'll leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I'll say to God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Lord, I'm righteous. Show me what's going on wrong. You know, I'm righteous. So he's justifying himself. In chapter 13 and verse 3. Surely I would speak to the Almighty. I desire to reason with God. You know, I'm righteous, Lord. You know, what's going on here? So he, he, he does not understand why the things are happening to him, and he wants to argue his case with God. But he maintains his innocence and his righteousness. In chapter 27 and the first six verses. And, I, and in, in that sense, I believe he was right. You know, he had not done nothing wrong because, to, to, to cause this. Uh, God has simply allowed Satan to do these things. It's chapter 27 in the first six verses. As God liveth, verse 2, who hath taken away my judgment, and the Almighty who hath vexed my soul. Uh, uh, Let's see. In verse 5, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast. I'll not let it go. My heart shall not be reproached. So long as I live. So he, he maintained, Job maintains his innocence and his righteousness. And he, uh, and I, let's see there. And he maintains his faith in God. In chapter 1, we've seen in chapter 1 and chapter 2, when he would t- tell his wife and, 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 and say, you know, naked I came from my mother's womb, I'll, I'll return that way. And, you know, shall we receive good from the Lord and not evil? So he, he's maintaining his faith in God. But also in chapter 13, in verse 15, just a couple of interesting points about Job's faith. 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'll maintain my own ways before him. Though he, you know, God can destroy me, but I'm going to trust him. So he maintains his faith in God. In chapter 19, in verse 25. Chapter 19, in verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. I know. You know, again, if anyone, if anyone had the right to say, well, you know, with the injustice in this world, with all the suffering, with death, uh, the God of the Bible can't exist. If anyone had the right to say that, if, 
uh, Job would have had. He may have suffered more than any skeptic ever suffered, losing his family, his possessions, and his health. But he knew, he went through all of that, but he knew that his Redeemer lived. Job maintained his faith in God. So that his friends were accusing him, Job, you've got to ascend, just admit it. And when they couldn't get him to admit it, they falsely accused him. Well, the three friends speak their peace, and then the young man, Elihu, begins to speak. Before we, we go into, in this uh, third section, chapters 32 through 37, and we'll, what we're going to do is go through uh, the book in a, this overview fashion, then we'll look at a, just a list of applications. But any comments that you have about Job, uh, our introduction to Job and his, his righteousness, and Job's three friends and his, their accusations against him, that, the, you know, that he had to have sinned, and then his answers to them. Any, any comments you have? Okay, in, in uh, the third section of our, our study, in Job 32 to 37, his three friends say no more because Job was righteous in his own eyes. I take it that since they were unable to convince him that he was a sinner, they gave, just gave up trying to accuse him. And I, I, I can see that. You know, you, you know if... if uh, Someone believes that 2 plus 2 equals 4, and you're trying to convince them, 2 plus 2 equals 5, Job. You know, 2 plus 2 equals 7, Job. After a while, you can't convince them. You just finally give up, right? And so they did. Elihu is hot with anger against Job and his three friends, and, he, and he's got a reason for that. And we'll look at those two reasons. Look with me at Job chapter 32, verses 2 and 3. In Job 32, Verses 2 and 3, we see why Elihu, and, and by the way, so Job's three friends accuse him later on, God. God deals with them, has them offer a sacrifice, has Job pray for them. We, I never see any rebuke by God to Elihu. And it looks, and some of the things that Elihu says, God himself even says in the, in the last section of the book. But so Elihu, the young man Elihu speaks. He, he, he lets them say their peace, the, the three older friends, lets them say their peace, and then he begins his speech. But he, he's hot with anger against Job and against his three friends for this reason. Job justified himself rather than God. And we'll, we'll look at some application about that later. You know, the application we want to look at is that we need to start with a premise that God always does what's right. And we've got a list of passages just to see that God always does. Don't ever indict God. We may not understand what's going on, as we'll see in a, minute, in a bit. I think sometimes it's like we're looking into the darkness. We don't know what's going on. We can't see behind the scenes. We never indict God. But God, Job did not give God the proper credit. Yes, Job is righteous. But God can do no wrong. Lord, I'm suffering. What's going on? Well, don't indict God. God can do no wrong. God could not have done wrong. God has his reasons for what he does, but he doesn't give account to you, Job. In Job 33, verses 8 through 13, we see that, that, that idea. God doesn't need to give an account to us. He's the Almighty. He's righteous. He cannot twist judgment. He's got reason for what he does. So Elihu cautions Job. And then Elihu gets on to his friends. Though his friends did not know why Job suffered, they still condemned him. In Job 32 and verse 12, Yea, I attended unto you. I was listening to you guys. 
Behold, there was none that convinced Job or that answered his words. You know, you've condemned him and he answers you. You you can't say anything. You, you, You don't know the answer about what's really going on. And you can't answer Job. So again, though we encounter things that we don't understand, you know, why is that happening to me? Why is that happening to them? Well, I don't know. So do we get to just make up stuff? No, no. We should never indict others. We should never indict God. We don't know. We don't know. Job didn't know why, what was going on. But that doesn't give us the right to make stuff up. So Elihu was full of words. He was about to, he's busting at the seams. We see here in chapter 32, verses 16 through 20. And then Elihu comments that God, that Job accused God of taking away his judgment. You know, God, you've not given me a fair trial. I'm righteous. But you know, what's going on here? And you've made me bitter. In Job 34 and verse 5. Job 34 and verse 5. For Job hath said, I'm righteous. And God's taken away my judgment. Whoa, what's going on here? You know, where's my fair trial, Lord? You know, so he's justifying himself rather than God. In chapter 27 and verse 2, chapter 27 and verse 2, as God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment. You know, I, I, I don't have a fair trial, Lord. I'm righteous. You won't, you're not judging me correctly. The Almighty who hath vexed me. The Lord is causing me these problems. The Lord is, is vexing me. But, we need to, but Elihu takes up for God. No, Job, God does not pervert justice. In chapter 34 and verse 12. Chapter 34 and verse 12. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly. Neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. Job, no, whoa, 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 the Job. God can do no wrong. He doesn't twist judgment. He's not unrighteous. Now, you may not have sinned, but don't convict God of doing anything wrong. God cannot sin. So Job, Elihu rebukes Job for questioning how, this is really interesting, chapter 35, verse 3, how that he's any better for, for living right than for living in sin. Chapter 35, verse 3, for thou, Elihu said to Job, you said, what advantage will it be to thee? And what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? You know, here I am doing what's right. I'm, I'm no better for doing right than doing evil. I, you know, and people may, we may hear people with that attitude today. You know, I've done right and what do I get? Well, no, no, you've done right. That's good. Keep on doing what's right and don't judge God. So we, sometimes we may need an Elihu to admonish us. Don't indict God. God can do no wrong. Keep on doing what's right. Take the prophets as an example of enduring affliction. Take Job as an example of enduring affliction. You see that God was full of pity and tender mercy. Just count on that. Many of the things that Elihu says in chapter 37 about God's wondrous power in nature echo what the Lord himself is going to say in the following chapters. Just interesting to me that that the, the, the parallels there between what Elihu says and what God says. Elihu makes a statement in Job 37, in verse 19, that I meditate on. Let me read that verse in uh, Job 37, in verse 19. So Elihu, again, Elihu's now in these, these chapters we're looking at. He's talking to Job. So the three friends spoke to Job. Elihu held his peace. Now Elihu's talking to Job. He, he asked Job, Job, teach us what we shall say to him. 
What are we going to say to God, Job? We cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. It looks, you know, I'm meditating on that passage, but it looks like to me it's saying, Job, all we've got is a big black box. We don't know what's going on inside that black box. All we can see is look into the darkness. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Job, tell me what to do with that kind of data. Nothing. This big black box, big dark wall of blackness. Tell me what to do with that kind of data. How to indict God with nothing to go on. Tell me, Job. How do, how, what do I say with that kind of data? No, but we know. Here's what we know. In Job 37 and verse 23, you know, God's the Almighty. He's great in powers. He's going to show Job. You know, Job, all of these things I've done, all of these things I've done, if, if, if I wanted to help, couldn't I do it? As we'll see, God is almighty. He's great in power. He's not going to pervert justice. He's not going to go against the righteous. Job 37 and verse 23, touching the almighty, we cannot find him out. He's excellent in power and in judgment and plenty of justice. He will not afflict. There's nothing wrong with God, Job. Don't indict God. Any comments on Elihu's statements before we look at God's answer to Job? So Job's a righteous man. His friends begin to accuse him. He answers them. He maintains his, his, uh, his faith in God. Elihu begins to speak and say, Whoa, Job, you, you've gone a little too far there. Don't indict God. Before we look at what God has to say, any comments you have up to this point? Well, in, in our, our fourth section of the, of the book, in Job 38 through 42, God answers Job. You know, man has no right to question God. We don't have any right to question God. We don't know all that God knows. Remember Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9? Um, my ways are higher than your ways. Uh, my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, we don't know what God is thinking. We don't know all of his reasons. In a sense, we're just, as we've seen, just looking into the darkness. What we do know is what God reveals to us. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10, who knows the things of a man, save the spirit of the man that's in him? I don't know what you're thinking unless you tell me. You know, you're thinking it. I, I can't know it. But you reveal it by speaking, then I know it. The same thing about God. He reveals to us his word, and so that, then we know his mind. We know God's mind when he reveals it to us. But if we, if we don't know, you know, the secret things belong to God, Deuteronomy 29. We don't know all of the, God's reasons for things, Isaiah 55. So God begins to question Job in chapter 38. I take it he's reminding Job that God's the one who's almighty. Job, I'm the almighty. I'll show you what I've done. You're not. Again, you know, Job was justifying himself rather than God. God is telling Job, I'm the Almighty, not you. I'm the one who knows and can do everything. Are we going to instruct God? Chapter 40 and verse 2. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. You know, Job, are you going to instruct me? God is the one who's righteous. We cannot condemn God. Chapter 40 and verse 8. Will thou also disannul my judgment? Job, you know, I'm doing something. You're going to come along and wipe it out. <laughs> you condemn me that you may be righteous? Job, you're right. But 
you cannot condemn God. If Job could, uh, if Job could do all that God asked of him, God would admit that Job could save himself, but he cannot. Look at chapter 40 and verse 14. God says, I'll confess to you, thine own right, then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. You know, if, you know, if, you're, if you know all of these things, if you can do all of these things that I can do, okay, you can save yourself. But of course, Job couldn't, but God can, and he does justify Job after Job turns. In chapter 38 and verse 2, God is talking to Job and he says, Job, you really don't know what you're talking about. In Job 38 verse 2, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Job, you don't know what's going on. You don't understand. And he begins to ask Job just a series of questions that really illustrate God's power, his strength. You know, he, he is the Almighty. You know, were you there when I formed the earth and the stars of heaven? Uh, Job 38 verses 4 through 7. You know, Job... You know, the earth is the size that it is. You know, I measured it out. The earth is the size that it is because I said so. So God says, you know, everything is the way that it is because I made it that way. In Job 38, verse 16, you know, we have submersibles that go down into the depths of the sea. You know, Job, but you, you, I created all that. Have you, have, you, have you walked the trenches of the sea? Have you, have, you, have you seen those things? I made them, Job. Can you bind or loose the bonds of the constellations of heaven? In chapter 38, verses 31 to 33, Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Can you bring forth uh, Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? You know, Job... You see those constellations? They're staying together like they are because I said so. <laughs> I made those, I bound those constellations together and I can loose them and he will. Second Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens and the earth will pass away with a great noise. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 10 and 11. So God binds the constellations of heaven and he'll loose them. You know, he created, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. You know, he made the earth like he did because he, because he made it. He made the heavens as he did because he made them that way. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Exodus 20, verse 11. Chapter 38 and verse 35. It looks like Job is, God is asking Job, Job, you know, I've got command of the lightning. <laughs> you know, can you command the lightning? You know, we may have seen cartoons or whatever of a... Of a uh, a being throwing lightning bolts, but God, I mean, God does have control over nature and the things of the earth. In chapter 39, in the first few verses, you know, Job, the, the, the wild goats, you know, they bury their young at a certain period of time. You know why? I said they would. You know, again, everything that God is doing on this earth, he did it by order of his power, his might, his strength, his wisdom. Does the hawk, chapter 19, 39, verse 26, does the hawk fly by your wisdom? You know, we see the, the beautiful birds diving and swooping. And, and uh, you know, they do that because the, God programmed them that way. The eagle, you know, he's way, he makes his nest way up there in the crags of the rock. He sees a little rat and he dives for it. He's got those eyes. He's got the, he, he does what he does because God programmed him that way. 
chapter 39, verses 27 to 29. This, whatever this large creature is, this behemoth, in chapter 40 and verse 15, Job, you know, I made you and I made the behemoth. I made everything. You know, big or small, God made it all. The Leviathan in chapter uh, 41 and verse 5, whatever this sea creature is, this Leviathan, you know, Job, here's this great sea creature. You know, would you play with him like you'd play with a little bird? You'd regret it if you did. But I, that great sea creature, I made him. You know, all of these things God made. If God, again, if God can bind the chains of the constellations, and he can, if he can loose the belt of Orion, is anything on the earth too hard for God? You know, he, he's holding all things together by the word of his power, by the power of his might. Just, you know, he says it exists. It stays in place. It operates this way by the word of his power. God, everything is, is the way it is because God said it would be. Is anything too hard for God, Job? God's the one who's almighty. God's the one who's righteous, not you, Job. If I want to do something, I can. And we see that God will and relieve Job and bless him. So our job is not to question God. You know, why do I suffer? Why is that person suffering? What's going on with that person? Well, just need, need to endure James 5. The prophets, Job, they endure. They kept their faith. And so we need to keep faith. We need to endure through our struggles and just give it over to God as Jesus would, uh, as we'll see in one of the applications. Well, in chapter 42, God blesses Job. So his friends accuse him, Elihu accuses, God accuses, and then Job turns. Any comments or questions you have to this point? Job knows that he can reply nothing to God. He repents in the first few verses of chapter 40. Job admits that God can do everything. Chapter 42 and verse 2. I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. I know that, Lord. I know that I repent in dust and ashes. So Job was a righteous man. He fell when he accused God, but he repents and rises again. I don't know of anything that God says to Elihu, but he does condemn his three friends. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and has them offer a sacrifice and has Job pray for them. And when Job prays for his friends, God turns the captivity of Job, gives him twice as much as he had before. Before I go into, I've just got a list of maybe eight or so applications. You may have some that you think of just as I do, but any applications that, you, that are burning a hole in your mind that you'd like to to make any applications on the book of Job that you'd like to comment on? One is uh, be careful when we're trying to comfort friends who are at your suffering because you know we don't know, and I think his three friends were trying to comfort him, and you know they didn't know and acted like they did. We need to be careful because right. we can make the suffering worse. We just need to be there and let them know we love them. Be careful when we come to comfort. Good point. And jump in with any applications you have. But one application I think of is man can be forgiven. Job was. His friends were. Manasseh was. Paul was. Of course, the list could go on. But a lesson we can get from Job is man can be forgiven. Forgiveness and blessings are conditional. In Job, in Job chapter 42 and also we see it from Hebrews 5, for our sake, we need to obey God. 
blessings and forgiveness are conditional. God told Job's friends to offer seven bullocks, seven rams. Job will pray for you. And I believe when that happened, they were forgiven. And Job was forgiven. God turned his captivity when he prayed for his friends. Does the, another application. Does the existence of injustice, suffering, and death prove that the God of the Bible cannot exist? Job didn't think so. You know, in all of our troubles, we need to work from the premise that God does what's right. 1 John 1 verse 5, in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 4 and verse 8, God is love. James 1 13, he doesn't tempt man. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, he's not willing that any should perish. In all of our troubles, let's seek help from the one who has power over the plagues. In Revelation 13 or 16 verse 9, there were some who suffered and they blasphemed God. It says, who had power over the plagues. <laughs> The last thing any of us should want to do is blaspheme the one who can relieve us of the problems that we're encountering. Manasseh turned to God. He's a good example. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 12. God's a faithful, and, but Job, Job hung in there. Well, let's see. God's a faithful creator. 1 Peter 4, verse 19. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We may suffer according to the will of God. We can still commit our souls to God who judges righteously. Job hung in there. He suffered. His friends rebuked him. God rebuked him. He didn't give it up. We see his example of patience or endurance. James 5.11. Job hung in there. He suffered. His friends rebuked him. God rebuked him. He didn't give it up. We see God's example of pity and mercy. God forgave him. James 5.11. Don't charge others unrighteously or otherwise provoke them to sin with their lips. I think Job's friends caused him to sin with his lips. 1 Corinthians 15.58. Evil companions can corrupt. A passage, this is interesting, the passage inscribed over a door at Cook's Museum of Natural Science. A friend and I were over there, there in Decatur, is Job 12. Ask now the beast, and they shall teach you. The fowls of the air, and they shall tell you. Speak of the earth, and it shall teach thee. The fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? In whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Even the beast of the earth show us. Even the beast of the earth show us that God exists. Does the existence of injustice, suffering, and death prove that the God of the Bible cannot exist? The beast of the field, they stand as witness to God. In the life of the man Job, in Job 19 verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day. The life of the man Job there are three friends in Elihu. The book of Job stands as a witness to the existence of God. Any final comments you have? Our next class will look at, in overview fashion, the book of Psalms uh, in the next two classes. Thank you for your comments.